I'm Tara. And I'm Austin. And we're a married couple. And today we have a treat for you. In honor of the Hallmark Christmas movie season coming to an end, we are joined by the geniuses of Bad Christmas Movie Bingo, Matt and Kiwi, to bring you a very special award show in two segments. Today we will be doing part one, the first annual Snarkies. But before we get started, let's give a warm welcome to our co-host this, this evening. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Kiwi. And we are also a married couple. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So can you guys tell us a little bit about how you came up with the concept for your bad Christmas movie bingo game? Because we have so enjoyed playing it this season and um, the the digital download and the the box game that we got. So, um, you know, tell us more about your game and how you started it. Well, it all started about four years ago while we were drinking gin and tonics and watching Ion television marathons of Law and Order, like you do. (laughs) The Law and Order marathon ended and what came on was a made-for-TV Christmas movie called A Christmas Kiss. And I don't know how you want to describe it, but it was... A train wreck? Where you just can't turn away. And it was just so interesting and fun to watch. And then we watched another made-for-TV Christmas movie. And then we discovered the entire genre, really, of made-for-TV Christmas (laughs) movies on Lifetime, on UpTV, on Freeform, but especially then on Hallmark, as, as you well know. And we wanted to turn this into a drinking game, just watching these movies and discovering all of these different tropes and how they're really all the same movie at the end of the day, where a woman with a great career is sad inside. And she moves home to meet her high school sweetheart again. And then there's a freak weather event. And then a Christmas angel shows up. And you know how it all goes. And the drinking game then evolved into a bingo game. And then we ended up writing more than 200 unique squares of, of all of these different bingo tiles. And we made a digital download. And we made a website. And then the interest was so big that we ended up making a real board game out of it. It's just such a great escape. Yeah, and I think this year we've gotten so many incredible comments. We've met you guys. We've met uh, a ton of uh, incredible podcasters, and we really feel like we found our, our bad Christmas movie tribe <laughs> this year, you know, through all the live tweeting and um, and being all together for all the premieres, and it's been a really wonderful sense of togetherness, even though we're all so far apart and have to be this year, um, that it really, it, ter- it turned what could have been a really dismal holiday season into something a lot more fun for us so um so we just are so grateful to be here and um thanks so much for supporting us in this crazy endeavor (laughs) (laughs) well and we have enjoyed um the joy that it has brought to us this christmas season because we have you know mostly been watching the hallmark movies but we did make some uh dabbles in the world of ion and up tv and some of the netflix movies and then the the lifetime movies and so it was really fun to whip out a board or two or three or four or five (laughs) (laughs) and just play along so thank you for that well we are so excited that you have joined us and You agreed to do this like fun new thing so that we could present the annual snarkies year after year and bring all the snarks to our dear listeners. Um, Who knew in the year of a pandemic that we would make more friends? I'm just so grateful that you have joined us. So without further ado, dear listeners, it's the first annual Snarky Awards. (laughs) And like any good award show, we have to 
do some reflection on what's occurred this past year. And so with our first category, we're going to have most snarkable moments of the Hallmark season for 2020. For this category, we had listeners write in some of their favorites. So it wasn't a list. Everybody got to kind of provide their own. So we got a lot of wonderful submissions by this. We also added some of our own and we kind of curated and consolidated those into the list that we're about to present to you as some of the most snarkable moments from this season. Um, so I'm going to present a few. Austin's going to present a few. Matt and Kiwi will each present a few. So we can remember these wonderful moments that we all shared in watching all 40 of these Hallmark movies this season. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the first moment um, that came up from one of our listener submissions was in Christmas Comes Twice, the fact that a black female scientist travels back in time from 2020 to 2015 and doesn't warn anybody about anything. <laughs> and just you know, take a moment and remember all the things that have happened since 2015. There's an election. There's, um, you know, deaths of people, the death of her science teacher, um, COVID <laughs> happening. And, and she doesn't tell any, she just focuses on a cat saving a Christmas tree topper. That's the main thing that gets averted. Um, the priorities in, in, the, in the Hallmark universe. Yeah. yeah. The, the priorities are very interesting. And, and I guess, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they focus specifically on a couple key yeah. things. Like, well, I mean, if it was a Baltimore Hill tree topper, it has to be the priority. It was right? a crystal I mean, tree topper, which is what's yeah. also fascinating because I understand why? there are people out there, but why would you put something so fragile on a tree when you own a pet like a cat who's notorious for destroying Christmas trees? It just It's a classic, classic snackable yeah. moment from 2020. <laughs> we can't even have the breakable balls ornaments on our tree because there's just such a high probability that it's going to get whacked off a tree by a cat. So yeah, we would never put crystal on top of a Christmas, a Christmas tree. Yeah. And I think I like I can kind of understand how, you know, maybe you wouldn't want to talk about the election or COVID or anything in the Hallmark movie. Like I could understand if all of that was left out and maybe she just went back to avert personal tragedies, but she didn't even avert any of her personal <laughs> tragedies. Like they told us about this woman's heart condition at the beginning and really played up this woman's heart condition that was undiagnosed and then she goes back in time and like decides just not to warn her because of the spirit of the whatever I don't know but like <laughs> even like so you didn't you couldn't even I don't know it's like why did we even go back usually Hallmark <laughs> is good at like saving the frail old person right. if they have the opportunity to do so so yeah that was that was an interesting choice and Maybe she and was they, on the naughty list. And we like listen to it again because that's what we do is we 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 watch these movies whenever they come on. And Miss Nelson said, like, the future is a gift. You want to be surprised, unwrap it under the Christmas tree. And I just shouted out to the TV, but you have to be alive to unwrap a gift under a Christmas tree. And Miss Nelson <laughs> did not make it to do that. So uh, it, it was totally on Cheryl to tell her about it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm 100% with that viewer. Thank you for submitting that one. That one's great. Yes. Um, another viewer submitted snarkable moment was in Never Kiss a Man in a Christmas sweater when Lucas, played by Niall Matter, went headfirst into a tree that Maggie, played by Ashley Williams, was carrying. Um, and so this is obviously the key plot point in Never Kiss a Man in a Christmas sweater that brings their, brings them together because she 
basically breaks his arm and puts him in the hospital for a day uh, because he hits the Christmas tree that she's carrying out of the parking lot or out of the tree lot. Um, and that seems like a pretty severe injury for running into a Christmas tree. Like, how did that happen? What were the physics of that? He was um, lightly jogging at stay most. away <laughs> from Christmas Exactly, trees? exactly. Just let um, that be a lesson to everyone who lightly jogs around trees. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they are, don't. trees are, in fact, made of cement. So just don't. Or wear braces or bubble wrap or jog in a bubble. I don't know how you would avoid such a, a terrible accident. Um, and, and not only does it put him in the hospital overnight, but it like lays him up in her guest house for like two weeks because he can't go anywhere because he has his broken arm. Uh, it's just probably one of the more severe Christmas tree accidents I've ever Absolutely. seen. And I leading, think leading to this sort of mildly misery scenario where this overbearing woman just kind of hammers an injured man into submission, but it's Christmas. So this is nice, I guess. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then he buys her two plane tickets to Paris, which seems like a, a very intense gesture for knowing somebody for a week and a half. Right. I think the, yeah. the theme of this movie was just everything at an extreme. Oh, you're going to bump into something. <laughs> you will break an ob like, Oh, you want to travel? Here's like, first class tickets to Paris <laughs> for you and your daughter. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a really great point. I have a theory that this whole movie was sponsored by Peloton to ah. really uh, spread the gospel of the dangers of exercising outside. Do not go so outside. That, no, do not let me jog trees. outside. That's right. You could get hurt at any time. You have no idea how dangerous it is out there. But inside... It's very you just safe. Look to at Christmas trees on your little screen as you <laughs> on pedal. your Peloton. Exactly. <laughs> from, from your from your giant windowed palace of a fitness den or or whatever Peloton owners have. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. In their ginormous house. They probably have a whole extra house where they just yeah. have their fitness equipment set up um and maybe <laughs> their art studio, you know, like in the in the above the garage. Oh, that's um, what carriage houses are for. It's for your Peloton <laughs> and your painting. Okay. Yes. 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 Exactly. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the other one that was submitted by a listener, but I, I wanted to present this one because I very much think that this is a very excellent point. Um, it's that the Holly and Ivy movie where the immediate postgrad MLIS holder, which is a master's of library and information science, um, affords a fixer upper house and is able to fix it up and have two kids and gets the bookmobile. And like, how is she going to make money with the bookmobile? Just this woman's whole financial situation as not only is she um, a recent grad from a master's in library science program without a job, but she's also an orphan so she doesn't have any family money so it's like where did this money come from and how can she be affording to live this life that she's living and I have a master's in library and information science so I understand the uh, the perils of that field sometimes and it just was wholly unbelievable uh, um, this just felt like another example of of elitist librarians <laughs> going around in their giant houses right. and their bookmobiles. Yeah. Just Adopting orphans with children. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And definitely the trope that Hallmark just loves to sh shove in our faces, which is money doesn't matter. Uh, everything will work out. 
but you also have to have a lot of money for things to work out in a Hallmark universe, but it's like monopoly money. It's just not real. It's irrelevant and it's not going to get in the way of the story. There's always that one Hallmark movie where like the family is clearly poor, quote unquote, but like every other Hallmark movie, you're right. It's just monopoly money. It's just, it's not even a thing. You can just kind of, the car shows up. The house is in fact a mansion. Like it just, it just works. It, yeah, it all just works. Yeah. We're not going to let and something like money get in the way of Christmas. <laughs> and she's able to do it off of the labor of everybody in her community. So she's really not actually able to fix up this house that she's bought. But everybody in the town comes in in a single day, gets her crumbling house like inspection ready so that she can be passed to get her license to be the foster parent for these kids or the the kinship placement for these kids. So it's like, even if she doesn't have the money, like the, the, the boyfriend or the love interest, his parents buy her a bookmobile and they've known her f- like for a day and they buy oh, her no. the bookmobile. So she's completely like, like, where are these people in my life? Um, please buy me things. I need a, a we need more wealthy friends who are just <laughs> like, forget my pet project. It is a fancy pa- car. Patrons. Yes. We all need more patrons. I think <laughs> I would like a patron. That's what I'm putting on my Christmas list for next, next year. A patron. <laughs> Dear Santa, please bring me a patron. <laughs> Put it in your snow globe, and then and then wish on it, wish. and then don't tell don't tell anyone. And then throw the snow globe out the window. Is that how that works? Yes. Great. No, you take it to the carousel, and you get oh. on the horse with the snow globe, <laughs> and then go around three times right. as but a hey falling guys, star. Spoilers! Spoilers! Let's let's not <laughs> let's not ruin the magic. That's right. Sorry. That's the movie. A wish on a wish on a wish on a wish at Christmas. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Which should be a contender for longest movie title. <laughs> yes, we'll get to in a moment. It's a franchise. You just add more wishes, yeah, and then you get more movies. I love it. Don't Stop giving like- them free ideas, Tara. <laughs> this is, they're going to take this from you. Uh, if they do, I will be so honored. <laughs> yeah, um, no, that's fair. So I, I have the honor of presenting one that I that just made me giggle as we read through all of these submissions. And it was from A Little Christmas Charm because we have our main character, Ashley Green, and she is hosting a gender reveal party for a pregnant friend. And not only at this gender reveal party do we find out the gender, we find out And so does the pregnant woman that she's having twins, one boy and one girl. And she's not just shocked about what the genders are. She's shocked she's having twins, which. The first time finding out that she's okay. Is she not going to the doctor? Like, (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's a standard thing of like, if you say, I don't want to know the gender because someone is going to throw me a surprise party. They're like, okay, but you should know that you're having two. (laughs) not everyone is going to be pleased by that news that news might be shocking to some people at first like it totally changes what you think your life is going to be like in those early years from one cute baby to like I can't even barely hold them both at the same time and I have to get two of everything and and, and, you know twins are now you have to have a billion dollars I don't know what it costs to raise (laughs) twins but it's it's very different it's very different and I just you know the doctor I can see the doctor saying do you want to know the gender of the child but I can't imagine the doctor saying would you like to know the quantity 
of <laughs> the children inside of you. It's, uh, and the mom is not going to say, no, I'd like to be surprised, actually. <laughs> My best friend's throwing me a party. I'd rather learn there in front of everyone else. And God, what's happening to my body? Well, and that's the thing you learn much earlier than the gender. You you usually can see twins at like the eight week scan and you don't get the, the gender till like the second trimester. So it's like, what did she just not get the eight? Like, has she not been to the doctor at all? Did, <laughs> did she just say, don't tell me? How did they do that? What were the logistics of not knowing? I don't know. These are the questions, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, our favorite, it's our favorite thing to say, which is just shaking your head slowly. Who didn't think about this? And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> Another head scratcher that was presented that it definitely was a snarkable moment for us when we watched. And so we were glad to see it was something our, our listeners also really connected with, which was in Christmas in Vienna, where we have a, uh, many children, probably the most children we had in, in any of these films, but they all seem to come from a different country because they have different accents. One is Austrian, one's American, and one's English. And it's just uh, insane that no one addressed this, which is like, I need every one of you to pretend to be Austrian or every one of you pretend to be English or I can't cast you because you have a very thick accent that doesn't align with anybody else in this movie. It was just so hodgepodgey and hilarious. Are there just not enough child actors around. I mean, I, I because it was it was the Viennese accent or the German accented child that stood out so much amongst this group of children. It seems like that would be the easy one to just get an American accented child. There's got to be a dozen of them just waiting around to to be a cute kid in a Hallmark movie. It's the uniformity, it's the lack of uniformity that's really surprising. Because if they if they all just busted out British dialects or, or German dialects or whatever it was, y- you could probably just go with it. But the fact that again, it was, they were all different and that that was never addressed yeah. is just so unbelievable <laughs> as to just kind of befuddle everyone. And that's why it's- and, and I think one thing like that sort of ties all of these head scratching moments together is that it's not like it's unbelievable in like a fantasy way. Like, oh, we're in a fantasy world now. And so some of the rules of real life don't apply. It's unbelievable in a way that makes it seem like no one was paying attention and it takes you out of the fantasy. <laughs> So like right. now, instead of imagining that I'm in Vienna having this holiday, which we'll get to why that holiday was problematic a little later on, but <laughs> let's just pretend for a second I want to live in this world. Like now I can't because all I can focus on is how these, these poor children are talking. Like, and who did this to them? <laughs> and I would have bought it more if they'd at least tried to all do the same accent and just did it poorly. I mean, even just sure. a, a minor attempt at that, I'd be like, okay, so someone thought about this. They just only had two weeks to film it and you can't train an eight-year-old to do a different accent in that amount of time. Like, okay, yeah. that's and bless kind their of little hearts, they the are trying. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is nothing but at least it means they thought about it. We, we can <laughs> forgive a lot, especially this year. And I think all Hallmark viewers are probably going to understand that if, if anybody ever thinks about it. But again, it's a, it's a truncated amount of time to film things. You know, it's... It's, it's not a lot of actors who are available. There's a lot of issues this year, but there are still just certain moments where even with all of that knowledge, you still just go, what? <laughs> and, and that's it, you know, that's what it is. Especially because like in A Christmas Waltz, they explain why he has a weird accent. Um, you know, they give like this whole backstory and it's just like, if we're already going to have like 
less than stellar dialogue, then why don't just throw some in there of like, well, our littlest stayed here in Vienna at the boarding school because she was very attached to where mother raised her. And the other one went to an English board. Like, give me just like 30 seconds. Two lines of dialogue. And then I'm back in, into this (laughs) pretend world of Vienna at Christmas. Yeah. Yep. I 100% agree. Well, I think we get to talk about um, some of these moments too. Yeah. So, uh, the first, the first one that I would like to to mention that was a a viewer submission as well is uh, in a timeless Christmas uh, where we have uh, the the Tesla or Edison character, if you will, uh, travel into the future. Um, he is just entirely unfazed by any of the modern technology that he encounters. <laughs> um, I think he's you know he's a little he's a little interested in like solar power but then there's a plane overhead and he just kind of looks up and is just casually like oh a flying machine anyway and then just kind of keeps going with it yeah. and it's just another one of those things that you just really have to stop and it just takes you out of even this insane situation it just brings you entirely out of it and you just go are you not gonna say anything about any of these smartphones phones at all just so many just sort of mildly impressed by some of the things he's seeing, but just not really, right. just kind of totally able to be himself and hold conversations and just like no, no appearance of shock or awe whatsoever. And that's just, it's a little hard to swallow. It's just a little hard to swallow. It, it he's was. a scientist. You would think that he would be just the rest of the movie. He's just endlessly fascinated with everything he sees. And honestly, I'd watch that movie. That sounds like a really interesting movie. I just want to watch him walking around town, just kind of mouth agape, just going, what is that? Ooh, what is that? I would watch that movie. But it, but to have it be the opposite is really an interesting choice. Well, yeah. And also at the end when he decides to stay for love because the clock has brought him to his true love, which was 100 sure. years from his birth, you know, or from his time of, of existence, which says a lot about where you can find love nowadays. <laughs> he he decides hard, to say, and he like holds up her phone. He's like, "Maybe I can make this faster." And I was just like, what? <laughs> "That's your that's your business model. <laughs> I'm gonna make this iPhone faster <laughs> because I'm smarter than the many millions of man hours that have gone into this." Do you even understand like what the core processor units are? What a mobile <laughs> like platform is versus a desktop like i like just they would, they would be like this is a silicon chip and he'd be like what what it, what now what is, a chip? Just, what is silicon <laughs> can i have chips too oh. i'm very hungry <laughs> so the guy didn't pizza? even have chip when did they invent the potato chip like how do you i don't know like does he even know what a chip yeah. is but yeah it it, <laughs> it was i wanted it, was it like matt I wanted it to be the wonder of, you know, ooh, what is this? What is it? I, that's a movie I was prepared for. And therefore, that's sure. part of why I was disappointed by this, because I wanted there to be more of that stranger in a strange land kind of feel to it. And it wasn't that. Nope. It was not. Emphatically <laughs> not. Well, uh, okay. So I... <laughs> I'm excited for this next one because if you were submitted this and I 100% agree with this person uh, where we were talking, we're looking at, so I 100% agree with this person. We're going to look at five star Christmas next uh, where all the characters inexplicably decide to impersonate ridiculous characters (laughs) in an attempt to get a good review from a blogger who may or may not be staying at their um, new B and B. 
And I just, I know what they were going for. They were going for the sort of like, you know, farcical whatever, but it didn't, farce is actually really hard. It turns out you, and you have to be really precise with it. And it did not feel like anybody was very precise in this movie. You also really, really have to commit if, if you're gonna go there, if everyone is gonna have different accents and you're all gonna play ridiculous characters from different countries, For, you, you really have to commit to it. So to have these okay actors and actresses just kind of like play halvesies with like whatever character they threw on that day was interesting. That's hard, it just, it was almost like, it really seemed like they they were told like pick a character and just say your lines in that character's lines it didn't seem like anybody was managing like a bad improv experience or or you know some sort of it reminds me exercise it was like it reminds me of high school when we had like we had the big play that we were doing in high school and one of our like exercises to like loosen up was just to like make up new ways to deliver the lines whether that was in gibberish or an accent and that is what this movie felt like right just... and then the beauty of having a director for a writer <laughs> is that then those ideas get corralled and honed and so i think that's the step. where they missed a step <laughs> mm. I would love to see interviews with some of these directors because we we see the writers sometimes. And so I see where, you know, the, you, they're just putting a two-dimensional script on paper and it's the director that's making it three-dimensional. Um, so like, what are they like? Are they good at their jobs? <laughs> right, they, or like, are they just so pressed for time that they can't even look at the actors? They're just trying to manage the lighting and just make sure everybody right. has light on their face at assume, least 90% of the time and then just go. And they all have, what, two weeks to film these 40 movies? Yep, that's right. And and so I, I, I imagine that they're very put upon. Yeah. And I imagine that it's very harried. So I'm sure that many of them are doing their best sure. in, a, in a very tough situation. And Hallmark has like $11 billion. And I know, I know that if they wanted to, they, they could get these little things right. If somebody just thought about it, they could throw some money at it. If they My just characters had in the Hallmark weeks. movie. Exactly, exactly. So it's very interesting. Um, cross, yeah, that was, Five Star Christmas is absolutely one of our favorites this season for, for a lot of reasons. And we'll, we'll see uh, what they're nominated for a little later. But I would also like to mention this really, really fun thing in Cross Country Christmas, which is one of the later movies that we saw this season, where it was the the class, you know, the classic. For some reason, the plane broke down. There's a volcano in Ohio. They can't get home for Christmas, and so they have to take a number of different modes of transportation uh, to get there. And for some reason, uh, the lead character, who is a what did we decide her title was? A creative solutions specialist or something. Yep. It's just yep. one of those jobs that they let women have where they don't really do anything. <laughs> right. Yes. The 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 professional woman yes. in in the Hallmark movie. So her creative solution to not having a mode of transportation during like half of the movie is that she bought a dog grooming truck <laughs> to get them home to Colorado. She bought a dog grooming truck. Not borrowed. <laughs> bought not rented not <laughs> in cash a car in cash, in cash right <laughs> job grooming truck and i guess it's not so even many questions 
screaming truck that gets me. Because if that's the only thing around, fine. But you bought it? You bought it. You didn't rent it. Yeah. It's... I don't know. It's just... it's It doesn't... It's another one of those things where, like, it. I get... Again, I get, like, that you're trying to play up the ridiculousness of the scenario and it's going to be fun as they trundle down the street in the dog grooming truck. But, like, you have to help me get there. I can't just go from maybe there's a rental car place within four hours drive as there is in most of the United States. Like... You have to take me through those steps to why this is necessary or else I'm going to well, just yeah. be asking, why was this necessary? Have a scene at the car lot where they're like, well, we don't really have anything. Um, and then she goes, you know, well, what's that? And he's like, and then you, know, you turn around and see that it's a dog grooming truck. And he's like, oh, I can't sell you that. That's that's old Jim's truck. She's like, I'll take it. You know, like just that scene. You've with, already with the- written a better hour and a half of that movie <laughs> than they wrote. But exactly, exactly. Also, like, it's going to get five miles to the gallon. It's a dog grooming truck. Right. Like, it's gonna, they, they were in Kansas at the time. Or Nebraska or something. They to Colorado. Like, they're probably they're going to have to go through mountains. It's it's not ideal, I guess, is what we're saying. Well, and they don't go the most direct route to Colorado either. So they're also taking right. it extra miles in this movie because they somehow end up in some places that are, are not what I would consider the route back home to Colorado. <laughs> having, having driven that route many, many times as Coloradoans ourselves, mm-hmm. it was not uh, not thought out. No. Hmm. No, they did not speak to any Coloradoans. <laughs> well, I, the writer of this did mention, like, she's like, apologies to all of our American, like, all the Americans watching this. I'm Canadian, and I had to, like, make some best guesses on where these things are. She, like, did a Google map thing. So just know there is a reason <laughs> it did not speak to you. <laughs> it's because it was written by a Canadian. It was oh just taking, a, taking, a, taking a shot at it. <laughs> Just the fact that it was written by a Canadian doesn't surprise me at all because these are also like filmed in Canada starring mostly Canadians. So that's yeah. that's not the issue. But like what she again, she must have had six minutes. Yeah, to so, write it. To, to write it. And so she was like, Well, I guess Google Maps is gonna have to do for the United States of America today. <laughs> well yeah. that inspires me to go write a Canadian road trip movie where I'm just like, and then they go to Ottawa and Toronto. <laughs> And they play hockey and there's yeah. a, a Mountie on a horse. <laughs> That's my movie. <laughs> and the Mountie is eating poutine. Isn't this just that like wind calls the heart that is on yes. all the time now? I think that's already written. That's what that is. <laughs> Good. See, we're already doing their work for them. Yeah. Yeah. We got to stop giving them our brilliant ideas for free. Oh my God. Okay. But you have to talk about Christmas. You okay. Yes. Okay. So the next one that, uh, that we want to talk about, and this one I think struck us all very hard. I think yes. we all talked about this in the Twitterverse. And, um, so we were super glad that someone submitted this one, but so Christmas, she wrote was one of our later movies as well. And I mean, the title implies that we're going to have some kind of delightful murder mystery, or there's going to be some sort of nod to the original show. Maybe, maybe Angela Lansbury's going to show up. Maybe she'll make a little cameo. How amazing would that be? Uh, but none of those things came to pass. Instead, this was about a, a journalist, and so that's where the writing comes in. And uh, she, see what they did there. See what they did there. That was pretty <laughs> clever. At least I thought so. Um, but I think so. I think 
and so the user submitted how it wasn't a, it was not a mystery movie didn't even have a cameo with angela lansbury and was just all around disappointing and i think we'd 100 agree with that because it was we i think if you're gonna make a nod to a, a really well-known thing whether it's a movie or a book or a genre or whatever like you have to like nod to it and there were right. none of the elements they just like stole the title and then like tacked it onto a completely different yeah. story so i think much like they did with another film this season mm. if i only had christmas oh man but, I... we'll get but, there it, later. but at least at least that, that one movie... tried to complete the nod <laughs> yeah like it might have been like just like a broken neck nod but at least there were <laughs> efforts made <laughs> this yeah. one just threw its head back and left it there and, and didn't even attempt the nod <laughs> I mean, maybe because Christmas Tree Road is is uh, is kind of a creepy movie, and we will get into that with some of for all, all the, the wrong reasons. For all the wrong reasons, so maybe it's actually the prequel to the murder mystery that will happen in the next one. Like, it's really just queuing us up for we're seeing the the together story, but at the at the end, someone dies. And yeah, so it's, it's our pre, it's our prequel. We can only hope. <laughs> and and I've been saying all season, I mean, you have a channel called Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, right? We need more homicide at Christmas. There's not <laughs> enough Christmas homicide or mystery. I mean, it, it, we've even said it could be, you know what, if you don't want to do homicides, do like who stole the cookies from the cookie jar or like something like that. But with a title like Murder, she wrote as the as the sort of thing this is nodding towards i need a, I need a murder i need someone i need a body um at the very least there has to be a mystery mm-hmm. right there's a big crossover i think between you know the the lovely murder mystery shows on television and everyone who would watch hallmark and lifetime so i just think it's a natural natural crossover crossover yeah well and they do it with all their on the movies and mysteries channel all the their movies that they do during the regular year like candace cameron beret has a whole franchise of movies over there called the aurora Tiergarten mysteries and i love that you know that i love that you know that <laughs> and people are murdered like there's dead bodies you know, and they do it. People can handle it. Your people can handle it, Hallmark. Kill more if, people at Christmas. If CCB can handle a dead body. Dark. I think, I think we In can. the first one, we watched the first one just to see what it's about. She dug the dead body up from the yard in the middle of the night. Like, and then held the skull at her house. Kept the skull. <laughs> wow. So I'm just so saying they can handle it. <laughs> that, put a Christmas tree on it and we're ready to watch. <laughs> I love the skull is the Christmas tree topper. This movie writes itself. <laughs> it's fragile though. <laughs> so is the crystal angel or whatever the hell. Imagine the skull falling off the tree and breaking. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm That's what like, you want to go back in time and fix. It's like this is a, a bone carved ornament passed down generationally, and it's actually the key to a murder mystery. I mean, come on. Yes. Your ancestor is Hamlet. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. To Christmas or not to Christmas. That's right. (laughs) To Christmas or not to Christmas. And then we get a Um, ghost, which is great. See? We're so good at this, you guys. (laughs) We should totally write movies. Yeah. Um, Okay. Speaking of movies that write themselves or should have written themselves, I want to talk about this next one. Um, This was a user submitted comment that I wholeheartedly agreed with um, and was so glad someone else noticed as well. And I actually think a lot of people noticed this too. But Nashville Christmas Carol 
You know, I'm actually just going to read this out loud because I think the user captured our energy about this perfectly. This is what they submitted verbatim. Verbatim. I'm going to read this verbatim. Okay. No ghost of Christmas future in Nashville Christmas Carol, question mark, question mark, question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point. Quote, the future is what you make it, unquote. Yeah, no kidding. So show me my crappy future so I can avoid that and learn to appreciate what's truly valuable. What a lame story choice. Yes. <laughs> Yes, slow user. clap. You <laughs> slow clap. <laughs> yes, Virginia, you're absolutely right about this. Um, yeah, I uh, we totally agreed with that too. Like, there, you, if you're gonna take this is another one, right, where they had the opportunity to do the nod, and they were doing the nod, and then they just completely like left turn. They just left turned away <laughs> from like, the rest of it. <laughs> it's such a well-known story. So if if you're going if you're going to nod to it. You, you have to do a couple things. One of those things is you have to have a ghost of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. And if you leave out one of those entirely. <laughs> you better have a damn good explanation. You at least better explain why. You can't just not have it. Yeah. And then expect people to be like, oh sure, no, we didn't need that. <laughs> I wanna there see the wolves. ghost just like come in and then like peace out and be like, nope. Nope. She's like, I got it. Yeah, I, I figured it out. This is, I've this got is my life sappy. back together. I'm not here. I mean, talking <laughs> about like watching these things in mass and it being the same story, everyone knows a Christmas carol. And so it was like, I've never like been so surprised at a plot moment in a film. I was just like, okay, all right. We only have six minutes left now for a ghost of Christmas future. Wow. They're going to really cut this ghost short. Oh my God. They cut the ghost completely. Like that was the most anxious I've ever been in watching a Christmas Carol version because we all know this story way too well for them to be like, so we rewrote it and we think it's better now. And it's a lot of people's favorite ghost. It's like the best ghost. I mean, it's the creepiest ghost, but it's the, you know, people are looking forward to Christmas future. And also, I think it's kind of how, you know, the whole story wraps up with uh, with that ghost showing showing the mm -hmm. the key future moments that then need to be changed right. uh, for fear of dying. So, yeah, it was it was a really interesting choice. So thank you so much, everyone. for Yeah, that for one was submitted multiple times. That for one, sure. That was really, really great. Yeah, yeah. Well, that wraps up our snarkable moments. And it has certainly been a year full of snarkable moments. And we just want to say thank you so much for all of your amazing submissions into this category. And now we move on to our other awards categories. And I'm honored to present this next Viewer's Choice Awards category. Most obvious COVID here of the Hallmark Christmas season. We felt like this was an important category to include for obvious reasons. So without further ado, here are the nominees. Tyler Hines as Aiden on the 12th date of Christmas, where we just know all of those Heine fans love his hair no matter the length that it is. Ian Bailey as Josh in Delivered by Christmas, where he wears a Christmas cap, but those luscious locks just keep falling out. Steve Lund as Kevin in Unlocking Christmas, where we don't know why there's so much hair on his head, but it sure is there. And then Travis Van Winkle, who clearly fell asleep and forgot to get his hair cut as Lucas in Project Christmas Wish. And the winner, by a landslide, was Stephen Lund as Kevin in Unlocking Christmas, because what was happening with all of that hair? It just, it was most obvious COVID hair. 
Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it was just, you know, the the Tyler Hines and the Travis Van Winkles, it, it looks pretty natural. And you can say, yeah, I would see them having that hair in other circumstances. And just poor, poor Steve, you know, poor, <laughs> poor Steve. You just look at him and it, and it's just, it's, it's a little, it's a little unkempt. It might be a little, you know, it's, it's time for a shampoo and a condition maybe, <laughs> but it was just, you're right. It just stuck out a lot. Well, and I'm like, is it grease or is it, I mean, I, I don't think they would let them in there greasy. Is it just that they put too much gel or product in it? Like, and why, why, how did that get by the anybody on the set i don't know these are our favorite questions when you sit there and you just go why would anyone and how could anyone (laughs) exactly (laughs) though i i did think eon bailey's hair in deliver by christmas was a good runner-up i don't know what the numbers were on the voting in the the google form but um his his whole look was just so scruffy and um I don't know. It it really kicked off the season two because that was an early movie, and I was just like, "Give this man a haircut, <laughs> somebody." Uh, it, so, in case anyone was wondering, uh, we had a tie for second place, which was Tyler Hines and Travis Van Winkle. So, yeah, Bailey was not even the second <laughs> one, and I thought I thought his was the worst. <laughs> it's because he put a hat on it, and it it worked for him. I think I think the guys who had curly hair got away with it, and the guys with straight hair, it was like, why? That's true. Yeah, that's true. I'm so excited to present our next category. Uh, The title of our category is That's Enough Hallmark. And (laughs) the context for that category is Trends of 2020 That Should Be Retired. Now, we all know that Hallmark loves to reuse different tropes and different trends, but there are just certain things that that will come in and out um, of our lives. Over, over a year, over the course of a couple years, that just, you see them so often across Hallmark movies, that, and they don't really make, they don't add to the plot. There's no reason that they're there. Think, think of like, you're eating roasted chestnuts a couple years ago that was in every single Hallmark movie. And then the um, following year, just dropped out. Just never happened again. Yeah. And then over the last couple of years, snow globes every movie they don't need to be there every now and then they're magical most of the time they're not and then you just don't see them anymore so these these are the trends that we saw in 2020 across all of these different movies that i think we should probably just go ahead and kill yeah uh and the nominees are naming specific tree species Mm -hmm. carousels remote work solving all conflicts but not discovered as an option until the last 10 minutes Mayors, the troops, so many things happening in Colorado, and slow dancing to Silent Night. Mm. Thoughts? Mm. <laughs> I have so, my favorite. So classic. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I have to lean into the fact that Silent Night should never be slow danced to. Um, mm. I struggle with that being a romantic song in any way, shape, or form. And I think of A Christmas Waltz, where our leading lady is like weeping as she slow danced to this song. And I think she really just reflects how we all felt hearing Silent Night in literally every single movie this season and watching people slow dance to it. Pick it any of the many other free Christmas songs. Like someone in their department needs to say, all right, what Christmas music are you playing in this movie? Oh, everyone's playing Silent Night. Maybe three of you should change that. <laughs> but they did something else. Yeah. 
<laughs> yep. It yep. was really amazing. I, I'm particularly close to naming specific tree species. It just, it's that thing where you go and not only are you going to a Christmas tree farm or in some of these movies, the forest and cutting down a tree, but then some, usually the man in this scenario, because let's be honest, it's Hallmark, is going to look out across all of these different trees and go, ah, no, that's that one, the noble fir. We're going to get that. Everyone knows noble fir is the best tree species. And then sometimes there's even an argument. An argument will ensue. It's like, no, blue spruce. No, noble fir. <laughs> what? Just get a tree. There, there's, there's one kind of person who understands different tree species. That's a dendrologist, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. End of list. And nobody <laughs> else knows what species of tree. Yeah. You might have the occasional dad who has is retired and has like and likes to point out, you know, learns the trees in his backyard forest in Oregon or whatever as a hobby. Like that guy, I get it. But like, no, just random people, especially city people. Right, like the, the lawyer, the lawyer that comes back to their small town is like, oh yeah, the, no, the noble fur. Noble fur, that's the one you want. And you're like, <laughs> I had to learn that to pass the bar. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, the dendrology section of the bar. Murder. Yeah, the grab bag category of the bar. <laughs> the grab bag. <laughs> General knowledge. Thing, right? um, well, for me, if I made a list of, you know, things in life that I don't care about, carousels <laughs> would be on the list. <laughs> um, so seeing, seeing two carousel movies um, was particularly just unnecessary. Like why two back to back and they were two different carousels. So it wasn't even like they just had the set they could use. Um, but I like to believe that's a fluke. So I think that one will probably be dealt with on its own. It will naturally resolve. <laughs> and I also, you know, the troops, we always have these movies where someone comes home uh, at Christmas time because people love that moment. Even I am like, oh, daddy's home for Christmas and they weren't expecting him. But this this yeah. year in particular, there were a lot of movies about like the USS Christmas and, and there was a lot more of that, I think, kind of hovering around. Um, I don't know that we're ever going to get rid of that on Hallmark. So I don't think, I think people will always be pulled at by that. So I'm kind of torn between those two, but I, I think carousels for me, cause it's just like good riddance to the carousels. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get rid of the troops. They're, they're always going to be there. I have to just think with we, we want to discuss the mayors. Yeah. Yes. Why, why? That also is a strong seven. one. Mayors were just so important this season. That was just so odd because they're 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 kind of a it's a glory position. You know what I mean? Like they're not they're not the city manager. They're not mm -hmm. the governor of a state. It's a mayor. We get it. But like they 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 were the character this year that just swooped in and either created every problem in existence or solved every problem in existence. Yeah, right. Sometimes in the same movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just seem to have a lot of power. Yeah, and they may look, make look, being a mayor look like you just spend your time greeting newcomers to the community in the bake shop and like, you know, ceremoniously hitting the button for the Christmas tree lighting. Like that's the full extent of the job. Or they have like full dictatorship power over the entire town. And everyone right. is yielding to They have the power to, to declare wins. any building a historical landmark or not. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the, the answer to how do I how do I create a royal Christmas movie when I don't have like a fake sovereign country I can do. And so they gave mayor the like, it's the king or queen of that town. But I, I Matt, you said, you know, like a city manager. That sounds like a great character. Mm. Like, show me the town council. 
show me yeah. the, the, like whoever leads the chamber of commerce because that person has a lot of power absolutely and there's a good that. amount of conflict in those in those relationships mm-hmm. and scenarios and and they showed some of that in Christmas Tree Grows in Colorado, where they actually are showing kind of the town council meetings and some of the bureaucracy in the town. But then where they then pull me back out of it again is that she wants to be mayor and her father is the mayor. So it's again playing on this sort of nobility trope of like <laughs> I was born. it's passed down. I was born, you know, I'm the next yes. in line to be mayor of this Stayed town. To like you have mayor. to be good and you have to be elected. <laughs> I want to see a mayor coronation, y'all. <laughs> They're gonna yes around i want a coronation ceremony that's gonna see happen a mayor coup <laughs> <laughs> again i'm on a different channel i'm always on a different channel i want there to we'll be just, more blood and if they keep it around the the mayor trope next year will one of the titles will be the christmas mayor yeah and it will be as bad as we think or yeah. a mayor for Christmas about a town that doesn't have a mayor and they don't know what to do and they have to go find a new mayor and the newcomer to the town is elected like, their mayor. I don't know how to turn on water. <laughs> we need a mayor for how Christmas. How will we celebrate Christmas without someone to, to push the button to light the tree? <laughs> this ribbon is just going to stay around this new building. We have no one to cut it. <laughs> we can't get in. It's gonna stay unused. Oh my god, that's well, amazing. As as Coloradoans, we also just have to shout out that just so many movies taking place in, in Colorado, up in Colorado. So weird. But like they, they've never Hallmark has never mentioned Colorado before they, this year. They also don't tend to mention specific states. Like I feel like they purposefully stay away from mentioning the state because it's supposed to be anywhere. So right, like- This is Pineberry. Yeah, right, Pineberry, <laughs> like, right. But you don't say where, what state it's in, you know, like every now and then, like if it starts in New York, maybe she goes to Connecticut because that's near New York. But like, so like, or like, you know, it starts in LA, but it's like, it just, they really rarely do they, like unless there's like a reason for it like oh it's in alaska because it needs to be really far away right you know or just to casually mention that oh yeah my family lives in denver like really why okay okay all right like (laughs) and then to have a movie called the christmas tree grows in colorado mentioning colorado talking about colorado and then having it take place in the fictional town of brooklyn yeah which is like fine in in a terrible nod to a Christmas tree grows in Brooklyn. A tree grows in Brooklyn, yeah. Get, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I I don't, I mean, as Coloradoans, I guess we were just like, uh, well, I guess I should say former Coloradoans because we live in New York City we're now. Soulless, but... We're a soulless married couple who live in New York City. Yeah, we, we are the soulless <laughs> couple who moved away from our small town and now we live in New York. But anyway, um, <laughs> we still know what Colorado is like. Um, and uh, I feel like, I don't know, for us, it's not like it's a bad thing, I guess, but it was just really odd. It just felt really strange and out of place. And we wondered if the Colorado Board of Tourism gave them a lot of money. Is kind mm-hmm. of where we ended with that. And where are they going to go? Because the place that they promoted does not exist. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so right. Colorado, where we have fictional towns. Yes, you're exactly. Just, I want to um, point out to both of you that you're just not at the part of your story yet where your Hallmark movie has happened. So you're oh. in New York now. You are in the pre-moving back home to your small town stage. There will be a point in time you have to prepare yourself. Every time you go home, you got to bring all your beautiful coats and you got to bring all your shoes and you got to be ready. 
to yes, like, got to be ready to stay there and become the mayor. Like you've, that yeah. you have to like be in that mindset every time you go home because you That's don't true. know when it's going to be the mayor. time. You should, it'd be yeah. a, oh, a married couple mayor. mayor. Yeah. Like <laughs> co-mayors. Yeah. Well, and, and we are, we are real life high school sweethearts and everything. So this conflict is going to have to be really interesting. Yeah. There's going to have to be, I, I mean, if it's about us becoming the mayor, like, and <laughs> maybe yeah. it's a fight over who becomes oh, mayor. Maybe that's it. Oh. Fight to the death. Jousting. <laughs> We're going to hunger games. I love it. <laughs> this sounds like a magical holiday romp. With homicide. <laughs> more homicide uh, at Christmas who do we think wins that's enough Hallmark who do we think wins this category of the trend of 2020 Christmas movies that really just needs to go away uh, I mean well the more I hear us talking about it the more I think the mayors are just yeah. being overblown <laughs> like they're yeah. everywhere I, I'm, in agreement. I'm in agreement it's, with that it's just such a bizarre it's a threat random... to democracy yeah <laughs> Frankly, and we've had enough of that this year, ladies and gentlemen. Our civic yeah. duty is to say that mayors need to be retired in 2021 because you need to take them to... down a couple of notches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take it down a notch, mayors. You can go home. So, all right, officially. Excellent. Yeah, declared. Mayors. It's officially declared. That's enough, Hallmark. Less mayors next year. Give us different government jobs. That's right. Comptroller is my suggestion. Okay. Um, all right. Next, I have the distinct honor of presenting our next award, which is most unnecessarily too long Hallmark Christmas movie title of the season. Um, I want to talk a little bit about our criteria for this because they, are, they were very strict and I think it's very important. Um, we did not include movies where there's a colon and subtitle, for example, Christmas in Evergreen, colon, bells are ringing, because um, those are always going to be longer, um, and it's kind of a different beast than, like, just the title of the movie that happens to be a full sentence, because right. we're running out of Christmas phrases and pronouns and words. So that's thing number one. Number two, the way that we determined the winner uh, was a very complex process wherein we typed out all of the titles in a Google document and then measured them in inches. Uh, so uh, without further ado, the nominees for most unnecessarily too long Hallmark Christmas movie title of the season are Never Kiss a Man in a Christmas Sweater, Time for Us to Come Home for Christmas, On the Twelfth Date of Christmas, and a Christmas tree grows in Colorado. And the winner coming in at a whopping two and three quarter inches in 11 point font is time for us to come home for Christmas. <laughs> and honestly, I would also say that that's the most awkward title as well. Right. Like a Christmas tree grows in Colorado, that kind of rolls off the tongue, I get it, fine. But time for us to come home for Christmas <laughs> is just, it keeps punching yeah. you in the face with words. I don't know how else. <laughs> to describe it it's, it's the franchise that doesn't end and it, they all just it's it's nonsensical they didn't even go home for christmas they went to a hotel or an inn or whatever it's like they're just and, and the pronouns like they're just throwing a different pronoun every year and it's now it's a franchise and they're running out yeah they're running out of pronouns so it's like are they going to keep this one coming back i hope i not. really hope so i hope so because <laughs> next year it's going to be I really think it's time for you all to go ahead and come home for Christmas. <laughs> Clear winner right there for longest time. Make it a Southern movie. Time for y'all to come home for Christmas. Oh, that's nice. Because <laughs> we, we could... don't get Christmas in the South. It's too warm here because you can only have Christmas where it snows. 
That's or you can start to playing with the play with the verbs rather than the pronouns. So we've done you and me and us, and, and you know now you can do time for us to have come home for Christmas. Yes, verb tenses. Past and present so. perfect. This is good. Yeah, this of course good. the master of library science would come up with that solution. I know my verbs. <laughs> <laughs> She's a master of verbs, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I have the honor of presenting our next award, which we have dubbed Worst at Work, which is where a character is just terrible at their Hallmark job, or the character is a terrible employee to others at, in the work environment. So without further ado, our nominees, Christmas in Vienna, where a woman works as a nanny for free on her holiday vacation. A Glenbrook Christmas, where a woman pretending to be someone else is not background checked and then hired to watch over children who she's not even qualified to teach. <laughs> a Chateau Christmas, where the PR guy for a hotel does none of his job and guilts his friends into doing all of the work for him. Christmas She Wrote, where the boss literally stalks his employee until she says yes to both love and taking the job. And then our final nominee is Swept Up by Christmas, where we have an auctioneer who has put in the very last item of the auction, which is this very expensive, valuable Christmas tree topper. And the bidding starts, and it gets all the way up to 20000 which is when she decides to say, no, it's no longer for sale. I've decided it's more sentimental. So she takes it out of the auction as the auction is happening and then gets a promotion. Wow. <laughs> So this those are a, our worst at work categories. So many good here. categories here. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a competitive field here. So I want to talk about the Glenbrook Christmas one because that one was uh, particularly egregious because she is she's there on a, um, she's an heiress. So she doesn't want anybody to know who she is. And she's in the town and she's, the bells are broken and she's wanting to hear the bells ring and make a wish on Christmas day. And so she's an heiress. She has tons of money. She could just pay the $10,000 to get the bells fixed by Christmas. But instead, she gets hired on. Clearly, no one cares who she is because she's not even who she says she is. She could be any old person to farm these children out, to make paintings, to sell, to fund the fixing of the bells. And so she's exploiting the children rather than just giving her own money to fix the bells, which she could easily do. That problem could have been solved and we could have gone to commercial and ended the movie. But instead, these poor children had to had to sell their labor to pay for the bells for her to make her Christmas It's, it's again, it's very, it's very strange when Hallmark decides that money is going to be the driver of the issue. Like, she's an heiress. This whole thing could have just been over. Yeah. But here we are. Yeah, suddenly money matters, but in a really strange way. <laughs> you have to, like, earn it. You have to, like... It has to the bells have to be fixed through love and through the community coming together. It can't child just be labor is what they have by to be writing a through. check. <laughs> well, our winner for this category was Christmas She Wrote, and it's because while all of these were terrible moments uh, where we're exploiting labor, this one transcended the Hallmark universe and presented a trope that's just dangerous and needs to be retired, which is if a man just wears a woman down, she'll eventually fall in love with him. And that is just something that needs to stop. And maybe that needs to be also our like honorable mention and that's enough Hallmark <laughs> because yeah. this is 
it's not even just that they're terrible at their jobs in the movie, which they are. He comes in, does no research, and fires the top columnist of his newspaper, then is told by his boss, if you don't get them back, you're going to lose your job. And then she refuses to return a call. And if you've ever, like, quit a job, you still sometimes need a reference. So, like, don't burn that bridge down. But every day this man wakes up and decides, I'm going to find her and make her say yes. So he chooses actively to be a terrible human every single day. And that is why Christmas, she wrote, took the cake. Because all of these other ones, like swept up by Christmas, it was a one-time moment. She made a horrible mistake. She still gets a promotion, but we can forgive that. We yep. cannot forgive Christmas she wrote and that horrible man. No, I mean, God, and this isn't just a Hallmark problem either. This is a problem across cinema in general, is this mm -hmm. idea that like, you know, persistently dogging a woman is some kind of romantic gesture, but it is not. You never get to see it from the woman's perspective and how, you know, sometimes terrifying it can be. And so I think this is just one of those tropes that like, not just, not just in Hallmark universe, but in cinematic universe in general, we just need to get rid of it. And I think the yes. combination of, of that, of the, 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 just the relentless wearing down of the woman until she acquiesces, Plus that he is so bad at his job. Yeah. The, the combination of those two things mm -hmm. that again, it's like every day you watch him wake up and decide to be terrible, to be a terrible boss and a terrible person. And that's kind of the run of this movie It's really, it's really, it's the arc is just that. Yeah. Is, uh, is definitely, it takes the cake. Yeah. So definitely, I think, I think we were pretty unanimous on that, that decision. Yes. <laughs> Major HR violations. <laughs> just like... <laughs> And not believing women. I mean, she said no. She said she doesn't want to talk to you and you still called and then you showed up and she said she doesn't want to work for you and you said you're going to stay till she says it. Just believe women. They just need to say no <laughs> once. Take your no and go on. I'm sure there's a million other people who would love to start a new column in your paper. It'll be fine. This is the baby writers. it's cold outside of Christmas movies. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> accurate well and that would be a new song for them to play uh get some new life in there would have been so fitting i guess slightly better than silent nights to slow dance to i don't know i don't know <laughs> baby it's cold outside but i have to go no <laughs> as they slow dance and she's like i love this song <laughs> um Another thing I want to mention as just sort of like an honorable general mention was we had a number of movies this year like Swept Up by Christmas where we're handling precious artifacts. This happened in Swept Up by Christmas. This happened in Timeless Christmas. Um, the where like the curator or the museum person or the auctioneer is, is just touching everything without gloves <laughs> or just like without any precautions whatsoever. Or and then the expert allows the, the leader or the romantic character to, to touch those things right without, <laughs> without gloves and like I I think one of my favorite moments of one of our live suites this year was when we were watching a timeless Christmas um, and if you recall the plot of that movie there is a, a director of the museum who also acts in as a tour guide of the museum um, but she is just touching everything without gloves all throughout this historic house and we had an actual museum curator <laughs> come on Twitter um, and start talking. And she was just, she was so adamantly calling out all of these violations of procedure and all. And it was just, 
it was so amazing. But like she, like one of her favorite moments where she just like lost her mind. I, I shouldn't say favorite moments. Well, one you know, favorite. Favorite. Yeah. <laughs> one of the moments where she just absolutely lost her mind was when um, she goes and she finally finds the clock at a different museum or a different place and just somehow in a half an hour was able to secure permission to borrow it. And she was like, what do you mean you just borrowed it and carried it without gloves and just tossed it in the back of your car and drove it back <laughs> like without even putting it in a box or anything? What the hell? Like that would never happen. Um, and so I think <laughs> yeah. I think I want to honorably mention all of the um, caretakers of historical artifacts who did a really terrible job of taking care of their historical <laughs> artifacts absolutely um, as being a part of the worst at work category <laughs> absolutely it's a it's a good mention here so that brings us to the end of our first episode of the snarkies stay tuned for part two where we're going to present things like most shameless product placement <laughs> best bad christmas movie bingo movie and much more including our favorite, which is most snarkable movie of the year. 